Welcome back to the Evidence for Faith podcast with Michael Lane. If you're enjoying our content and would like to help us keep making more episodes on this podcast, you can become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org slash give. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org slash give. And while you're on the website, make sure to check out some of the other things we got going on, like our specialty programs. We've got one in marine biology, which is an entire marine biology course down in the Florida Keys. And it's great for students ages 14 and up. We also have our biblical archaeology tour in Israel with archaeologists Dr. Stephen Notley. That's coming up very, very soon. So make sure to check those out. And we also have our bookings calendar open. So if you're looking for a speaker to come speak at your event, church, group, school, whatever it may be, make sure to get in your request in right away. And finally, if you have enjoyed a particular series on this podcast, or you want to go back and look at a particular episode, our courses page has every single series we've ever done on the podcast nicely organized in its own course page. And sometimes there's a few extra little downloads and things you can use if you want to go back and study a particular series or share it with a friend or a family. All these links are going to be down in the description if you want to refer back to them after you're done listening to today's episode. And with that, thanks for being here and I'll let Michael take it away. It's nice being here, um, getting to see some familiar faces and good friends again. And uh, I don't know what your your plans are for Thanksgiving, but uh, you know this is the Sunday before, so now we think about Thanksgiving and stuff like this. Well, um, it's a good time of year. It sort of goes along with some of one of the feasts that took place in the Old Testament, um, in the Old Covenant that they had, and a time to even God set set aside back then a time to be thankful. And well. The, as we all know, the pilgrims came, um, the separatists and stuff came over here, and you know the story, I don't have to go into that, but it's an interesting story. But what I want to focus on today is a Thanksgiving theme. I really wondered what to speak on uh, when Steve first you know, asked me to uh, come in here, and it, I didn't know what to do because I speak on a lot of different things. We just finished, God blessed us tremendously, we just finished a tour out east in New Hampshire. We were in... Um, Boston. It was fun. I've never been any of those places out there. And uh, it was really interesting in getting to speak to different groups and stuff in Philadelphia and things. Um, so it was it was a fun time. There's been a lot to be thankful for uh, that we've had in this ministry, as our ministry is just a little over a year and a half old, Evidence for Faith. But um, God's been doing tremendous things with it, and we're so thankful for that. What I want to focus on, though, with you all today is... Sort of, we, we count our blessings. We think about the blessings and stuff that God gives us. And those are easy to do to a lot of degrees. I mean, we think about, oh, this happened. This was good news. Ooh, this happened. This was good news. We have stuff like this. But, you know, uh, sometimes it's not like that with every family. When I taught in the public school system, I had some students that actually dreaded Thanksgiving and Christmas. They really did. Uh, part of it was because of their families that they had how busted up and messed up their families were. Uh, some kids, I remember telling me, I would rather we'd be at school. I feel a lot more comfortable here in your classroom than I do back at home, sitting around a table where there's just going to be a bunch of fighting and stuff. Or sometimes other things happen, um, illnesses, disasters, tragedies, all sorts of stuff happen in our years and stuff as we go through them. 
And I want to focus on something. I'm just looking at one Bible verse today, and it's this one here. It's Isaiah chapter 43. This is out of the God's Word translation. I really like this translation. I use a lot of different translations um, when I speak. And um, this is one that's it's a newer translation, but it's, it's really an, uh, an easy one to understand. And it, it reads, but the Lord says, do not cling to events of the past or dwell on what has happened long ago. Now, what's going on, just to give you a little mindset of what happened, why did God tell the, the Israelites this, uh, the Hebrew people, is because, as you all know, if you've read through the Old Testament books of First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, these people messed up a lot. And now, um, Isaiah comes along, who is, you know, a very good prophet, and um, he's there during the time of Hezekiah and, and other kings, but um, they have got a really bad past. And God's saying, don't dwell, basically, on the past. Look at the good things I'm going to do for you. And I think that's a good thing to go into. And that's the mindset I want to get into as we talk about this today. Don't, too often, we sit and we cling to the bad things that happen in our lives. We focus so much on that that we sort of skip over the blessings that we often get. So to, this morning, I almost said tonight, wow, I've been up a long time. <laughs> My wife even said, why are you up so early today? I don't know. I woke up. I had a really strange dream. I, I was telling her about it as we drove over here. I dreamed. I have no idea why. I dreamed I was at Burger King. And uh, in the middle of the night, this is around 3 o'clock in the morning, I dreamed I was at Burger King, and I was actually ordering a number one on their menu, the Whopper with fries and a Coke. And um, they hand it to me on a tray, like I'm at the, you know, inside, having to go sit down and stuff and eat. And all of a sudden, I woke up, and I was sitting up in bed, and I had my wife's pillow in my hands. Her head was off on the bed, and I had her pillow, and I actually woke up like this, like, what in the world's going on? (laughs) So, uh, you're wondering, what did he eat before he went to bed? (laughs) Yeah, don't eat anchovies with yogurt. That's not a good thing, but anyway... But let's focus on what our year has been like and stuff. I want you to do that because we're coming into Thanksgiving. This is a, supposed to be a joyful time. So let's, let's, you know, not focus so much on the, bad, on the bad things in the past. But I want to show you something else today. Even when we go through the bad times, even with the disasters, God is still there. And God is still blessing us. We sometimes have a hard time seeing it, particularly as we're going through it. But then afterwards, using like 2020 in hindsight, we get to see things maybe in a different light and we start to see the blessing. Sometimes we won't see it until we're on the other side of the Jordan. But right now, we have a hard time trying to see things. So I want to get into some things. I want to ask you like right away here as we go, um, how has 2022 been going for you? Has it been a good year? Has it been... One year, like, boy, I can't wait for the next one. I mean, there's been good things. There's been bad things. I'm sure that's happened to all of us like that. And some people sort of get a dose of both as they go through these kind of things. And, um, yeah, they, they get a, a dose of both good things. They get bad things. And some people, they get so much stuff, it just feels like a gigantic rock of weight and just, uh, just weighing them down and crushing them. And that's how some people view their year. And even this year. I'm sure there's many people that have been like that, where um, some people will actually put their whole life basically on like a balance, on a scale. 
And they'll weigh the good against the bad and try and figure out, you know, which one is weighing the most and this is the kind of year I get. Well, uh, I know that happens. Um, I know people think that way. And, you know, it might have been a tough year for you. I don't know. If it was a tough year, I hope today you start to focus on the good things, the blessings that God has done for you this past year. And I want to sort of stay with that. Remember what he said. Don't focus basically on the past. Don't dwell on the past things that were bad. Instead, listen to the blessings. Look for the blessings that you're going to get. So don't focus, and there's too many times we do that. We just focus on the bad things. Like I say, I don't know what kind of year you had. Maybe you had a year that, oh, um, your favorite toy broke. And I know, being a male, we have toys. The difference between a man's toys and a boy's toys, man toys cost a lot more. So today, that's sort of changing from when I was a kid. <laughs> but if you, you can't get your thing fixed, you know, that can bum people out when that kind of thing happens. Or maybe you didn't get a promotion this year that you thought you deserved. Maybe you did deserve it, and it didn't happen. Went to somebody else. That can really bum a person out. Or say, for instance, if you went to uh, or had a situation where your friends left you and just sort of deserted you, and you don't have any close friends now, and you're feeling alone, that can really depress and bum a person out. Uh, maybe you had a relationship going with someone, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, or very, you know, very close friend that just totally walked away from you. Um, if it was a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, and they just walked away, and it might have left you crushed. Many of us can probably think back, those of us who've got many years and can think back to maybe our dating days and stuff like that, that we had situations like that that totally just crushed us and made us depressed. And we don't look at that year as being a good year because of something like that. Or maybe this was the year that you were trying to get into college and you got a letter something like this saying, sorry, but we're not going to allow you to come here. You didn't pass our requirements and you didn't get into the university or that you wanted to get into. That can really bum some young people out dramatically. Um, or maybe you lost your job this past year. Or with the way that the economy is, I would be surprised if no one was affected by that. I know many people who have lost almost all of their life savings, their retirement savings, totally wiped out. And they're not looking at this year as a very favorable year, not looking at God's blessings and stuff because of that. They're dwelling upon that type of thing. Or maybe a situation like another bad thing that might have happened is a divorce. God doesn't like divorce. That wasn't his original plan. But sometimes that happens um, in spouses or maybe relatives of you, uh, son, daughter, mother, father, whatever. I mean, that is right there. That can really, really be depressing and hard on anybody who goes through something like that. Or even worse, in some cases, a loved one died, someone very close to you. This past year, not too long ago, in fact, just this fall, I had three. One was a family member, um, a cousin of mine, but two other very, very close friends all went home to be with the Lord in just a matter of a few days uh, between each other. It was sort of strange. And um, having somebody, you know, die is, is really hard. And it takes a lot of coping. And we look at years like that, oh, this was a terrible year and stuff. Or maybe this was the year that you finally went to the doctor and afterwards he said, hmm, cancer or some other very serious disease. These kind of things really take it out on people. This is the thing that makes it so difficult for many people to enjoy a year. And 
you know, to, to be honest, as we look at this kind of stuff, any one of these can send a person into depression. Any one of those can do it. And there's many more things that we could list. But now, I've learned something, particularly when I was in college, I learned that your relationship with God and the way you react when certain things like this happen makes a huge difference. Makes a huge difference in what's going on. And like I say, the way you react really matters. And it will determine your year. Now, I am going to, I asked my wife, you know, the best way of doing this because I wanted to talk about, to give you a personal idea. Because for me, just to stand up here and say, oh, you've, you've had a bad year. Well, you should, you should turn to the Lord. You know, that, that doesn't give a lot of comfort for people. So I told her that, you know, I'd really like to talk about uh, and give an example of what happened with us, uh, particularly in the year 2019. And I said, but the thing is, that was a few years ago, and we're living in 2022. And she said, I think you should go ahead and just tell them. And so I did. All right, I am. I'm going to tell you about the thing. I agreed with her. So we're going to start, though, for me to tell you about my 2019 and how your relationship with God impacts how, you know, what's going to happen and how you're going to look at things. Um, I'm going to explain that, but you've got to know a little bit about before, what happened just before 2019 with me. Now, some of you know this story who have known me for a while. Um, in uh, 2018, in August of 2018, to start with, uh, I was working at Fort Wilderness at the time. I was in, um, the director of the Nature Center there, and I was standing on a counter about four feet high and fell backwards off the counter. I was working on an aquarium, and I was reaching up towards the ceiling to adjust something, uh, air vent, uh, going into the tank, and I slipped off the thing and fell backwards and landed on the back of my head on the concrete floor. Um, when I came to, um, I knew I was seriously injured, and eventually, to make a long story short on that, I suffered um, brain hemorrhaging all over in my brain, uh, both the anterior and the posterior. Um, your brain is sort of gelatinous. It's not a hard substance, and so when you hit, it hits that way, but then it's like a basketball bounces back against the other side of your skull. So I had brain hemorrhaging everywhere. Um, I knew something was wrong, and because of that, I was then um, not allowed to even work. So this is 2018. This is how my year ended, 2018. I wasn't able to work. I couldn't do hardly anything. I was just told to go and lay um, in bed or sit in a chair and not do anything. Uh, they advised me to sit in the dark. Oh, boy, that's really exciting. And, um, you know, I, I would turn movies on. I would sit and put in DVDs or something like this. But I, a lot of times, didn't watch them. I, a lot of times, just sat with my eyes closed and just pictured what was going on just to have something and things like that. So I couldn't read. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be able to read until February. That was in August. And I could not read a sentence until February. So I was having a lot of difficulties with things going on. So that's how my year started. And a lot of people, when they looked at this, they said, wow, Michael, you really had a bad break. But you know something? I see tremendous blessings through the whole thing. I see it as a great blessing. Now, true, I can't do certain things. There are certain things that still to this day I cannot do. Um, even today, I'm not allowed to work. 
like I used to in the past. I used to be one of these multitask people. Um, I used to have about six or seven things on the burner going at the same time. I was like this, and I was very good. One year, like when I taught school, one year, every class period of the day, I had a different subject that I taught. Those of you who have been in education or know all the prep for that, and I taught lab science. So I was able to do that, and I thrived at that. Besides being the youth director at my church, being an elder at my church, serving on the, the music team at the church, I was the director of drama church, and I still was able to do that. I, I always liked to be very busy like this. Well, my life totally changed, but it was a blessing. And I'm still, to this day, I'm still under the care of a neurologist. I still have to see that. I have seizures now. I have to take medication for never had to take before. So there's a lot of things that have changed. And now, the thing is, 2019 is just beginning. It's just beginning. And so, um, yeah, in April of that year, I told you I couldn't read until February could I even read a sentence. And when April came along, I started having severe pain in my hands, both my hands at the same time, and couldn't figure out what it was. I would have paralysis. My fingers would just sort of go in weird positions. I had difficulty even holding a pen. Um, there were days trying to work at a computer. I just couldn't read, but I could type things. It's amazing. I, it's hard to describe. I would have problems, and I still have this to a, to a degree today, where I know the word I want to say sometimes, but the thing is I can't get it out of my mouth. It's in here. I know what the word is, but for some reason, I can't say the words. So my vocabulary changed after this accident. But now I'm having problems with my hands, working with my hands. Well, we use our hands a lot. You know, use your hands a lot. And the thing is, couldn't find anything to do about it. Went to see different doctors. Finally, a doctor diagnosed it as, he says, probably your hands is carpal tunnel. Um, but they said... You know, um, we're going to try and fix it for some other reason. What they did is they tried to do, um, they did a little minor surgery on my neck, thinking it would help my hands. You have a compressed disc. Um, so they did that, didn't do anything. And then finally, um, we did a carpal tunnel surgery on both hands in September, because in June, that's when they did this procedure on my neck, which didn't work. Um, September comes, and I can't um, use my hands very well, so they do surgery on both my hands on the same day. And um, it helped with the right hand. That was carpal tunnel. That was a carpal tunnel thing. That hand works pretty good now. Cramps up every now and then, but it works. This one, though, um, stopped working and was not working well, and then I got a post-op infection. That was fun. Here's another blessing, right? Post-op infection in my hand. It was like, oh, my gosh. So uh, all that happened. That's my September. Um, October comes around, and as I am working, because this hand is now working, and I am right-handed, thank you, Lord, for that, because I can write and still do things. So I was um, sitting in my office at Fort Wilderness, and I reached up right beside me. I had a bookcase. I reached up and pulled out this big, massive commentary and pulled it out to look up something, and I looked the thing up, and I took some notes, and then I put it back together. This was October 5th. And I closed up the, the book, and I started to put it back on the shelf. And as I reached up to put it on the shelf, my whole arm just went like this. And I'm like, I can't move my arm. And the book fell on the ground, and I'm like, why can't I lift my arm? And immediately I thought, oh, stroke. So I got up, and I ran into the office, the closest bathroom, to go look in the mirror. And I stood at the mirror making... I'm glad no one else was in there. <laughs> 
I was making faces, and I'm like, okay, it doesn't seem to be a stroke. What happened? And that was October 5th. Now, coming up in the next month, I'm supposed to be leading a trip to Israel. I've got like about 40 people that are depending upon me to take them to Israel. And so um, we had no idea what was going on. But this, when my arm went, the pain that came with in my shoulder during this was excruciating. Now, I have never given birth. So ladies, I'm not even going to get into the pain of enduring that. Um, watching my wife do it three times, yeah, that turned me off. You know, if God ever said uh, women have the first baby, the men have the second, probably every family would only have one kid. Because seeing that, but I have gone through kidney stones. I've had kidney stones, which they say is similar. I don't know if that's true. But um, I also went through a, a time um, years ago, back in 1997, when I had a neck surgery, and I had to have, um, I had shattered a disc in my neck, and they took a bone out of my ilium, the bone of my hip here, up part of the hip, and they took that out, so made an incision here. This got a post-op infection that got infected, um, and it developed into cellulitis that just by the hour, you could see it growing and swelling up and turning red. Um, got back to the hospital, um, or I actually went to my surgeon's office, and he had me go on a table by now. It was down close to my knee, all the way to my armpit, to the sternum bone, to my backbone. And it was so wide, it was like a basketball on my hip. And he said, uh, we gotta, we got to open this up and drain it. And I said, well, we go to the ER. He says, we don't have time. Time's of the essence here. So he said, my wife was there. He says, um, help hold him down because we're going to have to cut him right now and, uh, and open this up. And so my remember saying, I do get some anesthesia with this, right? And he, no, it won't work. It's too inflamed. We just got to cut. So I laid on the table, and they just started carving away. Um, as inflamed and as tender as that was, yeah. So I've had some pain before. But this shoulder thing was worse than anything, worse than any jellyfish sting I've had or stingray sting or anything else that I've experienced. That was the worst. And I literally, at nighttime, I could not sleep. I was in so much pain. Now, you're wondering, why is he telling us all this? There's a blessing in here, and I'm about to show it to you. At nighttime, I couldn't sleep. I got up because I didn't want my wife to be, because she was complaining because she couldn't sleep with, uh, in the same room with me. So because of the pain and moaning and the groaning, I couldn't sleep at all. Uh, they gave me Percocets and other things, Oxycontin. Nothing was working. I wouldn't even take the edge off, so I took my pillow many nights and would go into the living room and lay on the floor in the living room, put the pillow to my face, not to suffocate myself, but put my pillow to my face and just scream my lungs out as I'm rolling around on the floor trying to find some position or something that I'm not hurting so bad. But now, I started to realize something. What a blessing this was. You might be saying, Michael, how in the world can this be a blessing? Well, you see, people think I was given a really bad break. I don't see it as a bad break. I don't see it like that at all. Instead of going to the airport to fly to Israel, I ended up going to the hospital. They finally did neck surgery. You know, it took six weeks for my insurance company to do all that to actually approve me to have surgery. Six weeks I endured this, missed the Israel trip, even got a, a note from one person saying how disappointed they were that they went ahead went on the trip. It still went, um, but uh, I wasn't there. And they, they somewhat understood, but they said, yeah, we spent all this money and you weren't there. 
to help guide us. That didn't make me feel really good. But really, I can see the blessings of this. And they say I had a really bad break. I see it being tremendously blessed. How can I see it? How can being in severe pain, and that was November, December, by the way, after I got the collar off, two days after I had the collar off, they, they operated on this hand because it still wasn't working. So this, that was my year, and there was other things in there too. But people said, and I would hear comments like, you know, how can you, how can you be in pain like that and still call it a blessing? Because that's what I do. I call this a blessing. And it's because I've learned something in this. That one night, one of the first nights, I'm rolling around on the floor, screaming in my pillow. It dawned on me, because I do a presentation I've done for many years on the physical death of Jesus. The physical death of Jesus. What takes place anatomically, physiologically, when a person is crucified Roman style? Many medical professionals and other scholars will say that Roman crucifixion, they didn't invent it. The Assyrians invented crucifixion. Um, the Persians took it from them. Um, the Greeks took it from, um, from the Persians. The Romans took it from the Greeks and they developed it into an art form. And they say that that is the worst and the most painful way a person can die. And so, how do I see this as a blessing? As I'm rolling around the floor, screaming, please, God, make me pass out, but he wouldn't do it. Instead, he had me stay conscious through this whole thing. And then I realized, Jesus went to the cross for me. He willingly endured much more severe pain than I was going through. And he did it willingly. He didn't have to do that. He did it out of love. As I was rolling around on the floor, screaming into my pillow, it dawned on me how much Jesus truly does love me by letting me experience that severe pain. And crucifixion does give you a type of pain that is neurological because they sever on, with nails, they sever nerves. You get electrical welts, you get a paralysis in your hands and stuff. And all of this is coming to my mind as I'm rolling around on the floor and I'm actually found myself thanking God for this experience because it helped me to see how much He loved me because He willingly went through even worse than what I was feeling. It changed my perspective. I see it as a blessing. I remember being in the hospital after having the surgery finally to fix this. And as I was in the recovery area, I remember as I came to and my conscious mind started to wake up about this, I was thinking, Lord, thank you for letting me go through this difficult situation of pain and suffering because now I understand a little bit, um, maybe just a, a minute amount of how much you did for me. Now, there's nothing special about me. Ask my wife. She'll confirm that. But I think, as I said, the way that we react to things makes a difference. 2019, 
Oh, Michael, you had such a bad year. It was such a terrible year. Um, How in the world can you thank God because of the bad break and stuff like that that you had? Well, I don't view it that way. I don't see it that way. Because you know what else happened in 2019? I was still able to speak. Over 60 times that year, I still, with all that going on, sometimes I actually went and, and taught and preached to churches with my both hands bandaged up and I couldn't use my hands. My wife was thrilled with this because she had to drive me everywhere. Um, but, no, we won't talk about going to the bathroom. <laughs> but she went through a lot, we'll just say that, <laughs> in, in helping me through this. And, you know, I, I went through this and I spoke over 60 times to different groups and stuff. I mean, and I got to, to speak in camps. I got to speak at Fort Wilderness. I got to speak at churches. I got to speak at universities. Even going through all this, God was tremendously blessing me. Also that year, I had two grandsons born, Caleb and Ryder. I mean, what a tremendous blessing. God was pouring out blessings, not in spite of the injuries and everything. That was a blessing also, just a different type. And the way we react to these things, that's what the difference is. That's how we do things like this. We we start... Thinking too much on the negative. Another thing that happened that year, I still got to do the marine biology trip that I've been doing for over three, going on almost four decades now. Went down in 2019, had a marine biology trip down the Florida Keys with high school students. One of the best trips we ever had. Loved that trip that year. There was a lot of things I couldn't do. I couldn't go out um, leading excursions out to the different reefs and stuff like this. Um, I was very limited on what I can do, but oh my gosh, I had such a wonderful time. I even had to take naps in the middle of the afternoon. That was weird. I'm not used to doing that kind of thing. Also, my family took a vacation. I went down. uh, Denise and I went with our youngest daughter and my son-in-law, her husband, Ethan. And we went down to Florida, visited my family, which I hadn't seen in years. That blessing. Also, we went over to St. Augustine. You can see the background in the picture here. And we got to do that, got to visit. There was a tremendous time. I still had a job working for the Lord. I was still doing things for God. I still was speaking at camps. I spoke at homeschools. I was allowed in 2019 to lead over a dozen people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In spite of all the pain and the suffering, I still was given that honor. Someone else, obviously before me, planted seeds, and then the Holy Spirit used me to water them and call the people in. Now, I'm just a tool. It wasn't me doing it. I'm just a tool. God, even though this this tool is a little rusty, broken, not working too well, God was still able to use it in a lot of different ways. So, I mean... How do, you, how do you say that, you know, it was bad? Um, even in October, when all this was going on, my friends from my home church back in Illinois, before I came up in the North Woods, they came, they did repairs on our house, they cut firewood, they stacked it for us. I mean, I've been tremendously blessed. I have three daughters that married three godly men. I have seven grandchildren now. I mean, I have just been tremendously blessed. And I have an absolutely wonderful wife who went through all of this. And, boy, I'll tell you, she never signed up for this. Matter of fact, there were some times in 2019, and even this year with some medical things that happened. Why does all of this physical stuff happen to you? Well, I can understand her frustration. She didn't sign up for this. But she did make that promise for better or for worse. And boy, she's like, you know, it seems like there's an awful lot of worse in this. 
you know, medically with me. But she's always been there. Um, helped me out. Still loves me. Still my best friend. So, folks, to, to say that I had a bad break, and why should I even follow God? Do you know the, do you know the people actually messaged me and texted me telling me the reason you're going through all this in 2019 is because you've got some unconfessed sin, and if, if you confess it and repent, God will miraculously heal you, and you'll go out and do other things. I'm like, what Bible are you reading? Because it's not the same Bible I have here. There's a book in here called Job. talks about a guy who went through an awful lot of anguish, pain, and suffering. Or how about the Apostle Paul? Read the book of Acts. Look what happens to him. And when he tells his life story to the Corinthian church, how many times he was shipwrecked, how many times he was beaten, how many times he was put in prison. Do you think Paul had some unconfessed sin that he needed to repent of, and that's why it was going on? When the first missionary journey took place in the book of Acts, they go over, and they're going into what is present-day Turkey to the place of Galatia. They end up staying there. Paul told us in the letter of Galatia to the Galatians that they had to stay there because they were sick. They went on a missionary journey. Their first one, they get there. John Mark was with them at the time. They get there to Galatia. John Mark leaves. We don't know exactly why. One thing's going on. Are ill. They're sick. And because of that, they can't go out and minister. Instead, the Galatians actually minister to them. So when people say that, why should I follow God? Because all the bad things? Oh my God, the blessings that He pours out on us. It's just tremendous. And we don't think about that kind of stuff. We don't focus on that. So I'm going to give you a challenge today. It's for this week. Actually, it's going to start today. Even as you drive home today. Let me give you a challenge. And this is it. No matter what your age, no matter what your age, if you've had, shall we say, quote-unquote, a hard year, first of all, keep your walk with God going strong. I strongly encourage you to do that. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Look at things carefully. What you consider to be a disaster, to God probably was not a disaster. It had some purpose. We can't always see it, but sometimes it has a purpose that we can see. And I want you to celebrate this past year. So this Thanksgiving, here's your challenge. Count your blessings. How many of you have this tradition of watching White Christmas? That 19, what was that, 1954, Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, and Vera Miles, I think is the other star in that. I love that movie. For years, my family, we would watch that on Christmas Eve. Actually, I sometimes watch it a couple of other times. In March, when our middle daughter was born, Denise was going into labor at 2 o'clock in the morning. She wakes me up. She's in labor. So we get up, and we go into the living room and put on White Christmas on a VHS tape. I remember what those were. And we stuck that in there, and we sat and watched White Christmas while she's going into labor. <laughs> don't know why we picked that, but I love that film. And there's one song in that film that gets me every single time. I just love it. If you're familiar with it, you know there's a, uh, a song in there that Bing Crosby sings to Rosemary Clooney around a fireplace called Count Your Blessings. Now, it's not a Christian song by far. 
but what's in there is really cool. I really would love, and I did try and find the soundtrack to it that I could play and sing this to you. I couldn't, couldn't get it. I couldn't find the soundtrack. Um, and so I was like, oh, I was telling Denise this week, I really would love to, to do that song for them. And she says, well, why don't you just sing it? And I said, well, I can't get the music. Well, just sing it anyway. <laughs> if you're worried you can't sleep, try counting blessings instead of sheep, and you'll fall asleep counting your blessings. When my bankroll's getting small, I think of when I had none at all. And I go to sleep, counting my blessings. I think about a nursery, and I picture curly heads. And one by one, I count them as they slumber in their beds. If you're worried, you can't sleep. Try counting blessings instead of sheep, and you'll fall asleep, counting your blessings. That's a beautiful song. That's a great song. We're not supposed to cling to the past. Count your blessings. Look for them. Even in your difficult times, look for the blessings that happen. As I say, I'm giving you a challenge. When you get together with friends and family this week, take some time out. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Make a list this week. Start it today. Make a list of your, of your blessings. Have this Thanksgiving and make it a really cool Thanksgiving as a celebration to God. Honoring God with the blessings that He's poured out upon us. You know, there's a, a uh, person who um, wrote a hymn called Count Your Blessings. I don't know if you're familiar with this guy. His name is Johnson Oatman. Johnson Oatman was born in, 19, or in 1856, the son of a very, very wealthy merchant, a uh, very successful merchant businessman. But he was famous, his father was, for singing. He had a booming voice, a tremendous, melodious voice. And he was well known around the East Coast for his singing. Well, his son, Johnson, wanted to be just like his dad. He entered the business, but he really wanted to be a singer. He felt a call from God to be a singer, to sing Christian songs and stuff. And so he went into this trying to be a singer. Well, his dad said, son, you can't sing. He couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. I mean, he was a terrible singer, and he knew it. But he felt called by God to share God's Word, to share the Gospel and stuff. So what he did, instead of being all depressed by this, he decided, I'm supposed to be a minister. So he went to, to study to be a minister. Became a minister in the Methodist, Methodist Church, and went out his first year, got a church, and started preaching and stuff. Well, guess what? He was not only a terrible singer, he was a terrible preacher. The congregations told him that, and he knew it. There was no secret to it. He could not preach. 
The guy was now really bummed. He felt such a call for God, but wow, nothing seemed to work. When he's 35 years old and really dealing somewhat with this depression, feeling like, I, God, I feel like I, you've called me to do, you know, to, to give the gospel to people and stuff, but everything I've tried doesn't work. You're closing the door and everything. All of a sudden it dawned on him, he was a good writer. And he started writing poems, which were turned into hymns. In that first year, he wrote over 200 hymns. In his life, he wrote over 5,000 hymns. Many of them are found in hymnals today. Songs like, No Not One, Higher Ground. He wrote tremendous songs. One song in particular he was very famous for, and it has been sung by many artists. Matter of fact, I was just listening this past week, about a week ago, to a Christian artist that just re-recorded this song. You ever heard of the song, Count Your Blessings? That famous hymn? That's him. That was probably his greatest contribution to hymn writing, though he wrote many, many hymns. And it's a phenomenal song, and I just want to go through the lyrics with you. Look about how this, this poem, this hymn, goes. It's called Count Your Blessings. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you're discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings. Forgot. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Are you overburdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy that you're called to bear? Count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly, and you will keep on singing as the days go by. But I love this stanza. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. What a tremendous line. Do not be discouraged. God is overall. As Christians, many of us say often that God is sovereign. We believe that God is sovereign. At least we say that. But do you really believe it? Do you really believe that when every single bad thing ever happens to you, that God has approved that? Because God is there right there with you. What? You think things catch God off guard? Nothing catches God off guard. So everything that happens is being is happening to you with his approval. One of my favorite authors is Chuck Swindoll. And one of the books I tried to find out which book it was, I first came across this. I don't know where it, it is or what it is. But I just remember he came up with this. And I wrote this down many decades ago. And I had it on a 3 by 5 card, and I taped it uh, right in front of my desk. So I would see this every day. And it reads, nothing will happen to me today that first does not pass through the fingers of God. That's believing in a sovereign God. Do you really believe that? Yeah, we go through pain and suffering at times, and it's difficult. Yes, no question about that. I want to end with a quote. And uh, this quote is from uh, Reverend Justin Peters. And I think he put this together better than I can. So I'm just going to end with this and we'll go into prayer. But um, he, uh, he wrote, Sometimes God is most glorified in us when we suffer. 
If God does not bring healing, rest assured knowing that this is his sovereign will for your life. And he will use that to sanctify you, to conform us more to the image of his son. Makes me think of me laying on the ground, crawling around, thinking about Christ's suffering. He continues by saying, he will sanctify us through that. And ultimately, he will glorify himself. God sometimes is most glorified when a watching world, that's a non-Christian world, when a watching world looks at a sick believer, a sick Christian, or a persecuted believer, when the lost world looks at a suffering Christian, and yet they remain, these Christians remain faithful to Christ, they still glorify Christ. They still tell others about Christ. God's glorified in that. His grace is sufficient. His cross is sufficient. I don't know what your year has been like, but I challenge you. Count your blessings, and for the difficult times, try and see if you can how God blessed you even with that. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you that Jesus suffered so much for us. Jesus endured so many things. He endured friends walking away. People telling lies about him. People mistreating him, beating him up. He experienced, even Joseph died apparently sometime before he even started his ministry. His stepfather, he knows what that's like. He knows what it's like for his family to dislike him as his brothers did. Yet, Lord, he's a, the example. And sometimes you let us go through things to let us see how much you're blessing us and how you are changing us to be more like Christ. And forgive us when we curse you or get mad at you, when we go through some difficult times, but you're doing it because, as we see, it is to glorify you. It is to bring us closer into being more like Christ. Help us, Lord, to see those kind of days when those heavy weights of burdens come down upon us. So bless us and keep us safe as we come into this time of year that we give thanks, O oh God, to you for all your blessings. To honor your Son, in his name we pray. Amen. May God bless you all. Have a great Thanksgiving. And don't forget to count your blessings. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you to our donors who make this program possible. Evidence for Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry based in the USA. You can support this broadcast by donating online using the links in the description. And don't forget to leave us a comment, a review, likes, and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.